Welcome to the Tech and Main Presents Podcast with your host, Sean St. Hill. Sean is the CEO of Tech and Main, a technology consulting firm in Atlanta, Georgia. Listen in as thought leaders share their tips and insights about what's going on in the world of technology. And now, here's your host, Sean St. Hill. Thank you for joining another episode of Tech and Main Presents, where we bring you the best insights from today's leaders and experts in technology. Today, we will be speaking again with Mark Crudgington. Mark is the former CISO at Wood Forest National Bank, founder of Cyberforce Systems and the CISO Revelation podcast, as well as the author of The Coming Cyber War. Mark, say hello to the Tech and Main Presents audience. Hi, Sean. Well, thank you again for having me on for the second time. This is great for us to catch up and and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, same here, Mark. I I feel like this is a family reunion, man. This is, uh, you know, (laughs) this is, yeah, we've had you on multiple times. And so, you know, and you're just, you know, one of the good guys in cybersecurity. And so it's always great, you know, to be able to talk to, you know, some of your favorite people. So thanks for coming back on. And, um, you know, just by way of reminding, why don't you share your background with our audience? Sure. Uh, well, as you mentioned, I am the former uh, CISO at Wood Forest National Bank. Um, just recently resigned from that position. I'm still actually an employee, um, a director of ops special projects. But I'll be going into uh, virtual CISO work and consulting for them after. So that's kind of a testimony to the heart of Wood Forest as well, that they want to keep me around. And uh, I, I do have my own company, Cyberforce Systems. I founded that about three years ago. I will be doing a lot of virtual CISO work there, as well as uh, providing solutions uh, to a number of clients and have other plans to build out some interesting things, as well as a product. Uh, pre- previous to uh, Wood Forest, I was is a, uh, a national director of a large global uh, consumer packaged goods sales and marketing company. So I was essentially the CISO there. Uh, and, and this, you know, really at the time, I guess when I started there uh, back in 2006 or so, I don't know if there were very many CISO roles, but I had all the duties of a CISO there and then some how it normally works anyhow. Right. And before that, you know, I was at um, Big Four Consulting. And then prior to that, I was in Silicon Valley working at some major companies as well as startup companies. And then my career really started in the U.S. Air Force. Okay. School-wise, I have an MBA from University of California, Irvine, the Paul Mirage School of Business, which is known as Hot Pockets U. He's the guy that founded Hot Pockets. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So we nicknamed it Hot Pockets U. And then I have a a bachelor's degree from University of Phoenix and a few associate degrees. Number of certifications, all that. I'm always learning and I I really enjoy learning and discovering new things, whether it's in cyber technology or other things as well. So. Okay. Well, great. So Mark, you, you actually uh, touched a little bit on, you know, this next question that I was going to ask, which is, you know, what have you been up to since we last spoke? But, you know, certainly fresh on the newswire is the fact that, you know, like you said, your former CISO at Wood Forest National Bank, what 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 has that transition been like since you you know went from you know the active CISO now to to, to the former CISO? Well, we I'm I'm still in transition. We're still transitioning. Uh, 
it was Monday was the first day my my replacement started and it's okay. an internal hire and I, I fully support her and and we work well together and have always worked well together. She's been at, at the bank with Forrest for 20 years. So I, I think the transition is going to gonna go well. You know, Wood Forest has been extremely supportive of me. Wood Forest is a very entrepreneurial type company and has that spirit to it. So there's a number of ways that we're working through on potential partnership. You know, Wood Forest has invested in fintech companies. So, you know, kind of the golden rule there that, that many have told me is Wood Forest would prefer to do business with people that, that we know versus someone that we don't know. But they gravitate toward, you know, hardworking people with integrity and people that have done a good job. And the fact that they've seen that firsthand over the last nine years and I reported to the CEO and and at one time. So I, I think you know they're very appreciative of the work that I've done and and really, you know, I guess the person I am that they've seen. So it's um it's going to be quite interesting, but I, I I made a promise to them that this transition would be the smoothest transition from one executive to the other that I could possibly make it, and, and I would not leave them hanging. And I will hold, I will you know put my reputation on that. I want this person to succeed because I believe in her. I believe she has the ability to succeed. She's just going to have to learn what I call the cadence of being a CISO. And uh, she will get there. She's a very sharp lady. Like I said, I've worked with her on many occasions because she comes from you know IT audit and she was IT audit manager. Previous to that, she was in technology at Woodforce. So she knows the bank just about as well as anybody. You know, In her role in IT audit uh, as a manager there and doing a number of IT audits over the last number of years that she been in that position has kind of groomed her for what she is going to face here. You know, you have to have thick skin, you know, because you're obviously a lot of times you're having to get someone to do something that they may not want to do or they don't consider it as their role. But cybersecurity, information security is is everybody's job at a company. And you have to be persuasive in that. And she's learned, uh, she's very collaborative and pragmatic in her approach, um, even in audit. Sometimes you can bend, sometimes you can't. Sometimes you have to look for compensating controls to satisfy what you're looking for in the audit. You have to do the same in cyber as well. But then there are times where you just have to put your foot down and say, we cannot do that. There's too much risk. We need to do X, Y, and Z. And so I, I believe that she will be a, a great replacement for me and, and, you know, provide a fresh set of eyes from a different perspective, given her audit experience. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing her growth and helping groom her and getting her out in the Houston community and, and introducing her to, you know, a number of organizations that I've been involved with and continue to stay involved with. So uh, she gets her pulse or her finger on the pulse of cybersecurity. So it's going to be very interesting over the next, you know, few months and, and watching her blossom. So I'm okay. definitely looking forward to it. All right. So, so Mark, there's, um, there's so much that, you know, I want to pull out, but I'll, I'll pull out just this one thing. And it's the fact that you said you want to see this person succeed, right? I think so many times, and, and you see it, 
even with the whole colonial pipeline situation, which we'll touch on in just a moment. But, you know, one of the things that's come out of that is the whole, you know, private public partnership and, you know, that relationship needs to get better. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the federal government is looking to, you know, put some guardrails around, you know, how to do that better going forward. But I just find it so interesting that, you know, in what you were sharing, you're like, you know, this, this person is going to replace me. And it is going to be a smooth transition, right? You're not looking to hijack anything that she's doing. You're not looking to undermine or undercut her. You want her to succeed. And I think that is that is so admirable and so refreshing. And so I just I just wanted to highlight that. You know, thank you. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, I you know me well enough to know that I'm out promoting cyber and, and all that we need. And I, I believe in in the thought of collective defense. And if I if I were to not help help her succeed and see her to success and do everything I can, I, I would be going against everything that I've stood for, for the you know past, you know, I don't know, 10 years or so. So yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be great. And, and I think she will be great in that role. Okay. Awesome. And so Mark, as I just alluded to the whole colonial pipeline situation as a seasoned cybersecurity executive, seasoned cybersecurity thought leader, share with us, what, what do you think about the colonial pipeline situation. Yeah, you know, as as a cyber practitioner that that likes to see everyone do well, my first thought when when that news broke was, you know, oh my god, this is this is not going to be good. And you feel for them, okay? Because they've been they've been caught in this situation. Okay? And I may have mentioned it to you before, but I look at cybersecurity incidents like the ocean's current. You know they happen, you know they can be devastating, but you truly don't know their power until you're caught up in one, mm. just like the ocean's current. That's a great and, analogy. And and then to sit there and watch that thing unfold, they brought in, you know, government agencies, experienced cybersecurity agencies. And I was waiting and I was waiting, I was waiting for things to get restored. And then the news broke that they had to pay the ransom. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. They had to pay the ransom. Did they not have any backups? Did they not test this? What happened? And I know things are still unraveling and you always hate to jump to conclusions, but in this day and age of cyber incident, you know, and I don't know if this is the case at all, you should have backups. You should test your backups as often as possible. You should you should restore as much as possible. You should make sure you're you're encrypting your backups and that encryption key is kept separate from, you know, where you're operating your backup from. And maybe in escrow even if you ever needed it. There's so many things that you can do to where if you had a ransomware incident, you can recover fairly quickly. You know, we how many times have we heard of major ransomware incident? And, and the fact that this organization, Colonial Pipeline, what they're managing is very critical to, you know, the United States, part of the critical infrastructure and a major part, I will say. This has happened to them. You know, it, it was like, man, this just 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 can't be, you know, it's like, what what are we doing wrong as, as a nation to protect ourselves? But then some interesting things started happening after that were, um, 
you know, the, the threat actors, uh, you know, came out and said that uh, we are now going to take control of who we attack and the, a number of things that you started hearing. I thought that was pretty interesting, too, how how you started to learn. You, you started to learn how these ransomware gangs operate and they're, they're sourcing things out. And, and that it was it was quite interesting. But, you know, you, you got a feel for Colonial Pipeline. But, you know, it seems like every time an incident like this happens, Sean, What's the first thing you hear? Oh, this is a wake-up call. It's like, wait, I thought the last 20 incidents were wake-up calls. <laughs> right. You know? right. It's like, when are we going to wake up? Right. How, how many more alerts uh, do you need before you wake up? Yeah. How many more major incidents do we need before you wake up? And I, I think it was very telling that the government sh- shifting, you know, is like, we will no longer as a country tolerate these kind of, you know, activities that go on. And, and you saw that with solar winds and, and now you're seeing it with Colonial Pipeline, where they they went out and shut down, you know, you know the threat actor servers and that. That's what we need. That's what collective defense is. That's what partnerships between the federal government and private sector are in the community at large. You know, there needs to be a lot more collaboration amongst, you know, government agencies, you know, cyber security companies, private companies across the board. Um, there there needs to be that kind of how we came to together after 9-11, you know, and a lot of things got sorted out after 9-11. So we, we need that now. And and I think it's starting to happen. And I, it's now a national security crisis that we need to manage. Oh, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I will say a couple of things. Um, So one, when the CEO confirmed that they paid the ransom, right, I, I thought it was, well, let's just use the word unfortunate that even after paying the ransom, the decryption tool that they were given was inadequate such that they still had to fumble through with their own backup, right? So to your earlier point, if you've got solid backups, right? And you and you know that, okay, these are, you know, maybe they're not gold, but they're silver, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You know, to, to use a, yeah. a metaphor, you know, if they're if they're at least, you know, reliable, then you can forego having to to pay that $4 million because think about it, you're you're out that much money and you still have to use your own backup tool. So that's, that's one thing. Um, yeah. Second thing is, you know, the the current administration bringing, you know, bills and, you know, bringing legislation to the table to help tighten up that relationship between, um, you know, the public and the the, the private entities. And the lobbying group for energy is saying, no, we don't need any additional legislation. So, So I would take to task the lobbyists because you're not helping the situation any, right? Yeah. So I, I just wanted to, you know, to, to yeah. those and, couple yeah, of things. Yeah, and out. I agree. I, I agree with that. And, you know, lobbyists, that's what lobbyists do when they hear more regulation and more, you know, thing, they, they, they immediately assume it's bad, but you have to look way back to, you know, uh, you know, the Bush administration, the second Bush administration, even the Clinton administration, that cyber has crossed each and every one of those from, from Clinton and probably even, you know, uh, you know, the first Bush had his eyes on cyber, then Clinton, and it really ramped up in the 90s and then you know the bush administration uh in the early 2000s and then it carried over to obama and even trump did things and now biden's doing things all of those administrations believe that cyber is key and even the fed reserve chairman came out a few weeks ago a couple months ago and said that cybersecurity is the greatest risk to the u.s economy he did not say financial service he said the u.s economy and so 
you know, I, I understand where the lobbyists are coming from, but, you know, I think, you know, that boat sailed a long time ago where people recognize how strategic cyber is to America. So, no, good, good point, Mark. Good point. All right. So as we alluded to earlier, you are a published author, The Coming Cyber War. You know, do us a favor, Mark, and, and share one of your favorite stories from the book. All right. Well, I'll, I'll share a couple. One is pretty short. You don't know how many compliments I've gotten or, or like people saying, well, that's so cool that you did. Well, they say that's so cool that you got your, your kid to put a quote on the back of the book. So that's, 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 that was great. Um, and I, I think probably, you know, when I was in the middle of doing the research, there, there's a couple of things. I came across nuggets that were like, you know, wow, this is so timely. And one of them was around when I was writing the use case about Stuffnet and, you know, it being so-called the first cyber weapon. Well, I learned that, you know, there were previous cyber weapons used back in the early 80s. And it, it was the, the story about the Russian flying or Soviet Union pipeline back then that vaporized out in Siberia uh, and, and how that story unfolded, that it, it was, you know, obviously Soviet Union, not too technology savvy, technologically savvy back then. They needed to come to the U.S. or the West to get certain controls, software for their pipelines. Well, we got wind of that. And we obviously said, no, this is in the Reagan years. And but we tipped off the Canadians who we figured they would go to. Well, the Canadians gave them a so-called software update. And that's what, you know, caused the, the pipeline to spin up and go out of control and essentially vaporize in the Siberia. No deaths were caused. So that was one. And then one on a little bit more of a tragic note was as I sat down that Friday morning to write my use case on ransomware, I'm going through my Apple news feed and I came across a story based out of Germany where the first the first attributed incident to ransomware of all things that caused the death occurred. And it was where there was a lady that was going to a hospital in Germany. She went to the nearest hospital and they had just been hit by ransomware and they couldn't admit her. Well, they had to take her to a, a hospital that was about 15 miles away. Well, she ended up perishing from that incident. And they feel like had she been able to been admitted right away, um, she would not have passed away or could have gotten care that maybe saved her life. So that those are those are two stories that stick out. But you know, just a lot of the people that have reached out to me and said, you know, this is a great book and, and a lot of value to it. So I'm quite pleased. You know, obviously with the pandemic going on, I haven't been able to do very many book signing events. You know, I have given a few away and sold a few. I'm not retiring by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but I just think it's cool that I have now a book in the Library of Congress. It's like, whoa, you know. No, that 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 so, that is that is very cool. Yeah. That but, is that is very cool indeed. All right. So Mark, let's get your advice. What would you tell youngsters who might be looking at cybersecurity as a profession? Well, I would I would tell those youngsters, you know, don't think that cyber is all technology. You know, when everybody whenever someone mentions cyber, 
they think, well, I'm not a tech person, you know, and there are so many now with cyber exploding into the industry that it has and the stats are, you know, in the you know billions of dollars that this industry is. There are so many places in cyber that you can find yourself other than the person that's, you know, standing in front of a screen, you know, analyzing, you know, threats that are coming across it, you know, marketing for a number of companies, you know, finance, whatever it is, sales, you know, so many HR, you know, I mean, it's an industry itself. So, so don't think that you need to be a, you know, tech savvy, extremely tech savvy individual that knows how to code and knows how to analyze incidents to get into this field. The field is, is so dire in its needs right now that we have so many positions open and they they cross the gamut of of industry that i think you should look into cyber no matter what field you're interested in and find your place and and the second thing i would say is it's not going anywhere it, it's only compounding and i think there's a, a very long run for people that want to be in cyber and succeed in cyber no matter what your your field is or or your discipline oh here 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 mark uh so what's what's so interesting is you know before we started recording i was telling you you know about some conversations that i had with you know some cybersecurity vendors recently and all of those conversations started with a business development rep reaching out to me right so that's not coding right i didn't mention python or you know sql or anything they were they were business development which is sales basically yeah right yeah when you think about actually signing up a customer and you know going through the implementation that person that is with you post sales is a customer success manager right that's you know customer service that's operations so just underscoring your point there are a number of different directions that you can go in, you know, under that cybersecurity umbrella. Right. You know, so many, so many, you know, technical writing, if you like to write. I mean, there's, it runs the gamut. So definitely. Yeah. Agree. Agree. All right. So Mark, let's have you put on your prognosticator hat and take us down the road five years. You know, what does security and data privacy look like five years from now? Well, the number one thing that I hope is that we do have some of the these national laws that are needed to lessen the burden on some of the privacy incident. Um, specifically, you take a company of maybe three, four hundred people, but they're doing business over the internet and you know have sales all across you know the the United States as well as maybe even you know globally. So I, I hope we have a national data privacy law that can be an umbrella law for a lot of the state's laws, state laws. I know this is, you know, easier said than done, obviously getting California to agree with Texas, to agree with New York, to agree with Wyoming, to agree with Florida is going to be very difficult. But, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And so I think I see that happening. And and I think, you know, we talked about lobbyists earlier. I think that's where the lobbyists can step in for good. It's like, no, you guys really got to do this. You know, you got to agree on something for the good of our small business 
businesses and enterprises that are having to deal with it. Then in terms of the security side, it's my hope that, you know, a lot of cybersecurity companies will wake up, especially one known as I think Cyberforce Systems or someone, and they'll <laughs> and they'll develop platforms. We we need we we see a, a shortage of talent in in cyber. And so we we need a way to integrate platforms to where analysts and those that are looking at incidents or whatever, you know, monitoring security systems are not sitting there staring at 30 screens. And it can be narrowed down where you get from point A to point Z relatively quickly. And oh, by the way, you understand, you know, I don't want to give away the secret sauce, but you understand what you're looking at. And then you come over here and you can confirm it. And then you understand what your posture is internally. And oh, by the way, this is now because your posture has changed or your posture is X, Y, and Z, it's not a 20, but a hundred or 90 alert. And you need to, you need to respond to that. Um, and so, and, and make that, you know, I don't make it very intuitive. Um, and, and there's a lot of, you know, um, things that I think we need to think about, like what are the technological advances that are going to take place in the near future that we need to get out in front of before the cyber actors get their hands on it? Quantum computing for one, you know, that, that, you know, if we could develop those kind of tools that are really self-learning, machine learning, you know, AI to, to the neural network uh, level built in, we'll be in very good shape. And, you know, autonomous type systems that are self-healing, self-responding are really kind of the way I see our industry going. That addresses, you know, a, a number of things. My my three criteria of, of the problem in cyber right now, which is talent shortage, too many alerts, too many panes of glass. So that that's my hope. Um, and I'm, I'm going to help I'm going to help drive that and I'm going to help develop that hopefully. Okay. Awesome. Well, yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting to see how, um, especially in your new role, you know, as, as you get to focus on cyber four and, you know, some of the things that, you know, will come to market. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting to see how that all yeah. unfolds. Yeah. And, and if I don't develop, end up developing something myself, I have, I have a lot of good relationships with VC companies and at, it's at least my hope that I can drive companies toward that and and give them from my 15 years of experience in the CISO seat in you know x number of years in security in one capacity or another that this is what you guys need to think at from a think of from a strategic perspective and help some of these younger startups think that way as well and develop that way so i'm i'm looking forward to it okay man that's neat that's neat all right so mark let's pivot into some questions that are specific to you and the first one is what music gets you going when you're out for a run? Wow, there, there's probably so many, but I, I think probably my favorite band, I, maybe of all time, would be Pearl Jam. I really love Pearl Jam and I love their music, but you know, I listen to all kinds. I, I do have a playlist that has, you know, several songs and, you know, it can be, um, you know, a variety of music, but it's, it's upbeat and can cover from hip hop type songs to, um, you know, lively, 
classic rock pop songs to you know 80s rock even and you know and, and it's inspiring you know Bruce Springsteen music I love him as an artist but you know, probably if I had to say okay you got you you've got to be on an island and, and you're you're running what would you listen to it probably be Pearl Jam one they have a big catalog so you know I wouldn't want a new artist where I'm just listening to the same song over and over <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know I, I really like them a lot and can't wait to see them again live you know? awesome awesome all right so next question what is your least favorite thing to do but it has to get done oh that's tough mm. well on a personal level it probably admonishing my kids when you know they they've done something that i know they didn't mean any any harm to it and they were probably doing it just because it was fun but it was not the correct thing uh to do or didn't have their desired outcome if you will um that would be one because I, I've been in their shoes before and I know they're just kids being kids. That would probably be one. Work-wise, I think it's, I'm not one to delve into the, the tedious paperwork of things and the details, but sometimes, you know, you have to do those things. Um, you know, not only, not only because I believe iron sharpening iron and those tasks that you don't like to do sharpen your skills and, you know, make you a better overall person. But, you know, a lot of times those details Details are, are really kind of where the rubber meets the road, so to speak, and you know have a have some sort of deadline or detrimental effect to it if it doesn't get done. You know, in in as a business owner, you may know, like you know, man, writing those contracts or that kind of thing, it's just not great. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but going out having lunch, you know, or whatever, and, and talking in front of people, it's fantastic. You know, uh, but when you got to sit down and go over the legal contract or whatever it's like oh my god you know those kind of things but um you know like i mentioned before you know iron sharpens iron and, and i do believe you know obviously if you can turn some of those tasks over to people that are much better at it than you and enjoy it better than you you know um i believe in that and focus on your strengths but you know sometimes you just have to do those as well yeah uh, agree agree all right so mark what is your favorite room in the house well um right now coincidentally it would not be a room it would be outside the house it would be our backyard because we uh in the middle of february we got uh we, we got our pool put in and it was finished right like the if you remember the big freeze that we had here it happened two days before the big freeze oh wow okay yeah perfect timing yeah thankfully nothing happened we didn't have any pipes burst or anything like that but it, it now would be my backyard and and you know sitting out there on on our deck and all that and we back up to a preserve um here in the woodlands and it's you know so there's no house right behind us or whatever so it's just beautiful to sit out there watch it faces west watch the sunset you know have a beverage of choice texas we love our iced tea and i'm no stranger to that so you know and and you know play in the pool and you know that so it, it that would be it uh, other than that it would be my bedroom and specifically my bed and more specifically my side of the bed okay <laughs> 30 11 o'clock at night it's like man this is the most comfortable place on earth right now oh so. that's too funny <laughs> 
Awesome. All right. So Mark, this last question for you is what advice would you give your sons for their 18th birthday? Well, I've already given it to them, but, and I hope I'm showing it to them. One, it would be always act from a point of integrity and no matter if you're being watched or not, but while you're young, pursue what you feel you were designed to be and, and understand that, you know, if you don't figure that out and try to, and I'm trying to help them through that specifically my my 16 year old um, right now but it's take all the risk that you can do not worry about w- without physical harm obviously but do not worry about tomorrow when you're when you're 23 and deciding if you should invent this or do this you know go and do it and pursue it with all your heart and and make it a set you know you know I I had dreams when I was young and doing things that you would have imagined uh, of doing, but you think, nah, I'm just not cut out for that, or nah, it's not, you know, business-wise or whatever, and and I'll wait later, and, and you know, now looking back, it's like, you know, I wish I would have went for it, and, and, you know, it comes from an entrepreneurial perspective as well as a creative perspective, but, you know, if you're passionate about it, you know, while you're young, you know, try, try to make the most of it and, and go full tilt and succeed you know, especially if you feel that that is what you're like designed for, you know, that's, in, it's inherent in your being, you know, just, just go for it. So oh, I, I think that is phenomenal advice. Um, and so I appreciate you sharing that with us. Mark, as always, man, these good times go by too quickly. And so before you go, what is the best way for folks to keep in contact with you or to, um, to follow you on social media? Sure. Uh, the best way to keep in contact with me would probably be, uh, through social media uh, in LinkedIn specifically. It's Mark Crudgington, which is M-A-R-C-C-R-U-D-G-I-N-G-T-O-N. And you can keep up with me on LinkedIn. I'm an open networker, so I don't turn down too many people, especially if they're connect people that I know and, and write a good note. So that would be the best way. And, and then we can go from there, you know, and, and trade, trade other email or whatever. But that would be the first place to uh, keep up with me. Okay. Great. Well, Mark, um, you are my friend, you are my brother, and you are the pride of Onalaska, Texas. So, uh, <laughs> hey, yeah, I, I went and spoke to the Rotary Club in Livingston, Texas, where I graduated. Uh, oh, cool. Week. Yeah. And it was like, funny thing is, my principal was there, my old principal. So, anyhow, it's just like, wow, I haven't seen the guy since I walked off stage in Livingston, which is 1987. And there he sits in the Rotary Club. So I gave him my book. You know, he was like, man, you've come along way. I was like, well, thank you, Mr. Pritchard. So had some funny stories about him. He's a great guy. So. Oh, that's awesome. Well, hey, you know what? We'll we'll have to pick that up next time. Um, But Mark, yeah, again, and thanks so much for um, coming back on. Thanks for everything that you shared. And uh, yeah, just really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Sean. You you are the podcast goat in, in the cyber community. So I don't oh, know how man. you do it, but <laughs> you pull it off. It's like amazing. Oh, thank so. you, brother. I appreciate it. Well, hey, um, again, Mark, thank you so much. And tech Tech Presents audience, thank you as well for listening. And be sure to tune in next time when we will have another technology expert share their was. Bye for now. You've been listening to another episode of Tech and Main Presents. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Don't forget to tell your friends. And thanks for being a part of the Tech and Main Presents community.